Thanks for pressing play. This is Christopher Lockhead, Follow Your Different, and we are an award-winning, sometimes chart-topping podcast, or some people like to call us an oddcast. And we're for people who value real, different dialogues about how to build a legendary business and a legendary life. And two things you're never going to hear on this oddcast. Number one, we do not edit it. So what you hear are real conversations because I think the power of a real conversation can change the world. And uh, frankly, I think it's BS when media companies slice and dice and edit conversations and turn them into spoon-fed interviews. I think uh, real conversations are uh, much more powerful. Secondarily, another thing you're never going to hear, we could make more money by having an ad read in the middle of a guest conversation. You're not going to hear that on this oddcast, and you're never going to hear that on this oddcast, because I think it breaks the rhythm of the conversation, and therefore it's BS, and so you're not going to hear it here. All right. Today, we have a magical discussion with a mystical woman, if I could call her that, best-selling author, podcaster, and a dear friend of mine, a woman that I respect and admire and have tremendous affection for, Rhonda Smith is here. And Rhonda has overcome a tremendous amount in her life, including going from being a meth head to where she is now. She's completely transformed her life. She's got a new book out that I really recommend called The Whole Method. And she has a soul-affirming podcast called Cosmic Smith. She's incredibly open. She's incredibly real. Uh, She talks about radical fullness, why it's okay that not everyone is going to like you, why and what it takes to experience everything in life, and so much more. And frankly, I think this conversation comes at an incredible point in time, and uh, I think you're going to... I think you're going to get a lot from it. I think this is a conversation that you're going to, um, uh, what's the right word I want to use or phrase I want to use? I think you're going to enjoy rolling around in uh, this conversation with Rhonda a lot. Uh, Go to L-O-C-H-H-E-A-D to check out more on Rhonda, her books, and the show notes, as well as to subscribe to our, dare I say, legendary newsletter. We've been sending out some great shit lately, so go to Lockhead.com and subscribe. Now, if the last few months have taught us anything in life, um, it's taught us that it's time to eliminate or change what we have to. And in some of our businesses, we have a hairball of multiple systems, and maybe now's the time to streamline down to one. And that's where NetSuite from my friends at Oracle come in. You see, NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. It's really everything you need to run a successful business from finance, HR, inventory, omni-channel e-commerce, and much more. All you need in one place, saving you time, money, and headaches. Whether you're doing a million a year or hundreds of millions a year, you're working on your IPO, NetSuite is what gives you the visibility and control you need to manage every penny with precision. And my friends at NetSuite have put together a playbook of top strategies that uh, top growth-oriented companies are using to build and reopen their businesses at this time. So to receive your free guide, Seven Actions Businesses Need to Take Now, and schedule your free product tour, visit netsuite.com slash different. That's Seven Actions Business Need to Take Now at netsuite.com slash different. And clearly, we're living in a crisis. 
And in a crisis, legendary organizations turn to data and they specifically turn data into action, data into doing. And that's where my friends at Splunk come in. Splunk are the leaders in data to everything. Splunk brings data to every action, every question, and every decision. And uh, that's why I'd like you to go to Splunk.com slash D2E and learn how you can turn data into doing today. That's Splunk.com slash D2E, as in data to everything. I also wanted to ask you, if you're in the tech industry, there's a podcast I love and I'm super proud to be a regular guest on called Cloud Wars Live with my dear friend, Bob Evans. Bob and I have known each other for decades. He is an industry thought leader. Uh, he was the head of uh, editorial at Information Week for years, ran comms uh, personally for Larry Ellison at Oracle, and um, he's just an incredible guy. So check out Cloud Wars Live, and you'll notice that I'm a regular guest on his podcast, an episode we call Lockhead on Different. That's Cloud Wars Live. Now, hey-ho, let's go. Yeah, it's, I finally remembered how to be me and allowed it. Radical acceptance, radical wholeness, right? What was that movie with Brad Pitt where he gets younger? Benjamin Buttons. Uh, yeah, that might be it. Yeah. You're that. In the time that I've known you, you got 15 years younger looking. It's crazy. <laughs> well, that's good. It's good. It's amazing what a little clean living can do for you. But um, yeah, but I had to sit in two and a half years of uh, mind blowing brutal depression and medicine in ayahuasca for me that's what was my path to like finally birth this part of me so to heal those things it, yeah it felt like we lost you for a while there oh i mean you had you had to like i started my business and then a year later i started sitting in medicine and it was it was two and a half of the most brutal years like pains in suicide suicidal tendencies had to learn how to sit with the suicidal tendencies like really had to understand the darkness of my soul and they talk about this the void inside, which is the center of our which the dark is the feminine, the light is the masculine, they say. And within the dark and that void, that discomfort, that deep blackness of our soul, like in that quiet, when we can learn how to sit there, that's where all creation happens, just like the womb. So it was like really learning how to be in that void of myself and not have to do anything or change it and just be able to sit with it. And so that I'm clear, what's the it you are sitting with? The way I can best describe it is like the thing people run from, the thing that keeps us in distraction, the things that keeps us like constantly seeking there where there is no there, right? Like if there's only now and there's only like the journey, but we're all so detached from feeling. So it's for, you know, it's pain, it's discomfort, it's anger, it's the ring of fire, which is what you're going through right now, which is a Buddhist term, being burned up. Like you can't run from it. There's a point when you have it, like it catches you and you just have to let it eat you whole and you have to like be there in every bite of it. Well, and we have no choice. It, it, it has come for us. The right. suffering has called us and there's not a goddamn thing we can do about it. We can resist it, but we're going to go through this fire like it or not. Well, the more we resist it, the harder it gets though. And like, if we don't listen to the whispers, we get to hear the screams. Mm, say more about that. Um, well, life is always whispering at us to to see the things that we need to see, and we ignore it. And 
typically what happens is we get to a point where we absolutely can't stand it anymore or it simply just can't work anymore. And then we're forced to jump off the cliff or we're forced to sit down and let it swallow us whole. And that's the awakening. That's like all this enlightenment that everybody's looking for isn't sitting in like a lotus position looking at the ocean. It's this, like you want to know what you're made of. You want to understand your pure potential as a human. You really want to connect into consciousness then you must be eaten whole. And we're designed to to ignore the whispers and to avoid it and just to take a pill or look for something else or have another distraction or go need to open up our relationships or to go have a fair or to buy a car or whatever. I like the buy a car one of the of the list. If those are the options. <laughs> buy a car, right? Buy a big fancy yellow or red sports car. But that's the thing. And, and we work in seven-year cycles, they say. So... You know, if a man doesn't have his work done by 35 or 42, a midlife crisis is definitely happening. Women too, it's just an Hold on, hold on, slow down there. Uh If a man doesn't have his what done? So if if you don't have some level of this work done, so where you can understand your shadow, you can sit with your pain, you can be aware by like, I want to say 35, they say 42, but typically that's when a midlife crisis happens. Or right now, it could be a midlife Christmas. You know, it just depends on the time of year. And so do you mean like Mm self-actualization? I think there's a becoming that happens when we achieve things, produce results. I I don't know what it's like to be a woman, but the ages you're talking about for a man, if by particularly the outer, you know, 42, 45, somewhere in there, the men that I know who by that age are in their own relationship with themselves, generally feel like they know who they are, what they're up to, what matters to them. They're building long-term successful relationships. Um, If they've chosen to marry or become a parent or whatever, they're on top of that. Um, And they're, they're generally viewed as successful in their careers, particularly by their peers. And plus or minus, they're generally a pretty good provider. And most importantly, they're a person that can be counted on by others to keep their word and is generally considered an honorable person. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's the right list, but somewhere in there, right? Like a full-blown person. If you're not there by 40, 45 as a man, for you, this is not my judgment. This is my my assessment watching it. Mm Mm-hmm. There's something wrong with the men who are not that. That's not my opinion. That's how they behave about themselves. That's my interpretation, but I'm curious what yours is. Well, I mean, one of the biggest things is you can't teach someone to want to be empathetic or to have compassion. It's something that has to be learned through an experience. So, you know, without empathy and compassion and understanding, then it's very self-absorbed. It's very one way. And typically, you know, we all have, there's so much conversation about the masculine and the feminine within each of us. And, you know, you have your own unique signature fingerprint of masculine and feminine just like I do, and how you show up for your partner or in your relationships, there's, there is a feminine nature. There's a caring, concerned listen, ability to listen nature in you, right? But like you can tell when somebody doesn't care about the plight of like, we as humanity has decided that it's okay that we have hungry and homeless people. Now, between you and I, we could stick 10 of the best minds in a room and I have no idea how long it would take. 
And when they came out, we would have a plan, right? Like we would have a plan to care, right? And, but you have to teach people to want to care. We put people on the moon and we're flying shit to Mars. Right. So if we can do that, we built the internet, right? Right. So if we can do that, why can't we solve homelessness? Why is the city of San Francisco, which all due respect to all other cities in the United States of America, is arguably the most beautiful big city in the country. Yep. And yet we have this horrible problem. We have it here in Santa Cruz, right? It's like, well, why can't we handle this? We can. It's just that we don't want to. It's un- it's the uncomfortable truth. And and if we don't have the compassion to be like, oh my gosh, there's someone that's hungry. And like, this is a big point of like why I wrote the book I wrote is because everybody thinks there's a there. You know, we're in communities where success, being success driven and having more and having huge net worths is, is such, so valued. But like, what happens if we all got to a point where we had enough, like our enough number? Like, what is your enough number? And it's now you're starting to sound like a socialist, Rhonda. Well, I mean, but what, but what we could create magic here on earth. Like we could, we could have a beautiful thriving earth with thriving people. What would the dream be? What kind of world, what kind of world could we create and what kind of people could we become if the, if the dream was different, if the drive for the dream was different. So I think I get where you're coming from and you know, you're going to pull on my heartstrings. And so, you. (laughs) but, but let me, let me. Let's, let's play with this one if we could. Okay. There is something about striving for more in the domain of science, in the domain of, let's just call it learning, whatever kind of learning you want to do. The medical technology we have today is a major leap forward from five years ago. You and I remember how long ago it, 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 the human genome was mapped for the first time. And the people who did it won a Nobel Prize. And now your sister-in-law gives you a $50 present to Christmas and you, you spit into a thing and they tell you the whole story, right? right? And on and on and on. And so, and I'm, of course, as you know, a gigantic advocate for entrepreneurship because I think entrepreneurship is both a way up and a way out. And for those of us, particularly for whom it's a way out, it's a very powerful, empowering way out. And so... I guess my point is you're going to have a hard time convincing me that capitalism and one's own self-responsibility, one's own pursuit of happiness is a bad thing. And I think competition is a good thing. I agree with you. And we can overdo it, right? Right. So there's a balance. It doesn't have to be science or spirituality. It doesn't have to be capitalism or like, I mean, like there, there, there can be a balance in it all. And yes, there is definitely something to somebody picking themselves up by their own bootstraps and figuring it out themselves. That was my story, right? Like having to figure that piece out. But we also have a plight where there's, there are huge amounts of population that don't have access to things like I had for me to be able to pick myself up by my bootstraps and to be able to do things, right? And like, again, it's it's that piece, but we are one world. We are one planet. And to think that like some will strive and some will not, we can figure out a way to offer opportunity. I mean, our education system is a place to start and we have to start with the basics. I mean, we're not teaching the things that we need to teach in our schools. Like the, the, there's it's all set up to, to keep us in divide, you know, either you're, 
you know, in this political party or this one. So then we're different. Either you're this religion or you're not this one. And there's different. And like, so we've been taught this whole time that it is. And I do believe in competition. I do believe in striving. I mean, evolution, what got us to evolve and to get to the point where we are is that drive for more. But what's driving the more? It's a unconscious ego. It's you know, a lot of thousands of years of unhealthy people raising unhealthy people and a lot of really dysfunctional programming that's in there driving the ship. It's interesting. I, I don't know why I'm having this thought. I was just Googling it to make sure I got it right. This expression, no peace without justice, which also happens to be a, uh, an NGO, the name of an NGO. And so it may sound like a crazy non sequitur, maybe it is, but on one hand, we want to live in a world where we promote self-responsibility and self-empowerment. I mean, you're living proof of it. Mm-hmm. Your story is unbelievably extraordinary. And I think this is the magic question. I think you're on. You tell me that there's some people who, for whom, for whatever reason, are not in a position to do that. And so what's the just thing to do with somebody who you know, you can call it a crutch or you can call it a helping hand, but some people aren't able to rise up in the way you did. Well, and I mean, I think that I have a lot of fire inside of me and I have a really big drive. I always have, and not everybody has that. And I, I notice even in, you know, my own company and in my own communities that a lot of people don't match my drive. So I get that. But I've been there. I've sat in the darkest of darks and some of the worst decisions that people can make. And uh, I understand it. Like there's some edu- there's information there. So whether people decide to have the drive I do and make the changes that I made isn't, isn't the plight. It's that as a humanity, we can decide to create a system where moving forward, we can do something with it having a new baseline, having a new opportunity to be like, hey, you can do these things. This is ability. I mean, one of the things I really wasn't taught growing up was how to self-soothe. I don't think there's anything greater that you can teach a child than how to soothe themselves through something. And that ability right there can really make a big change in people because everybody's looking for something to feel better or something outside of themselves. And really, we are whole inside. We are all, we have all that we need inside. We just have to remember how to connect to it. And I always call it schmutz, but there's a bunch of schmutz in the way between us and our potential. Is that a technical spiritual term, schmutz? Schmutz, I think that's a, a Rondaism. <laughs> a help me Rondaism. <laughs> a help me Rondaism, the schmutz. But like, it's such, I mean, it's, you know, funky. It's, it's our patterning. It's what we've observed. It's what's happening. It's what we've learned to adapt to. So, yeah, I mean, you know, everybody says they want to to be something more, evolve. And, you know, it's just like the lottery, like the cancer of the lottery syndrome, right? Like people thinking, oh, if I win the lottery, this will happen. If you win the lottery, you won't have the money in a year. You don't have the tools, the ability, like none of that education is there. But what I want to and And I think it's a, you know, I can get uh, spiritual or mystical or talk about right? fate or I, I mean, I, I can go, if you're, if there's one person in my life, I can go there with it, too, right? <laughs> right. There's something fate driven or mystical or whatever you want to call it that says most people who win the lottery have no money within 18 to 24 months, right? You didn't do the work to earn it. Right. And you didn't become the person who can have, you know, it's like, I talk to young men 
And I say, okay, describe the partner that you would like in your life. And they describe that partner. And it's all the things that you would probably expect because most of us have a fairly similar list. And then there's specific shit that we care about, but whatever. So they give me the list, right? And I say, all right. What kind of man does that kind of woman, and in some cases, man, date and marry? What's that list? The list that you gave me, what does the person who fills that list, plus or minus, look for in a partner? Okay, are you that list? Then you better get busy working on yourself, huh? Because the person you want doesn't marry a bum like you. <laughs> right. I do the same thing. I always say, who do you need to become to be with that person? Like, what What are the pieces like of each one? I do the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's so fascinating. And it because works everyone... for anything, right? If you want yes. to be a legendary entrepreneur, okay, well, what's the list of attributes of a legendary entrepreneur? Do you act in accordance with said list? Okay, well, what are you doing? Right. But what are they doing? And that's such a fascinating thing. It's like, you want these things. It's just like myself, like every step of my business that grows or the retreats that we do or all of the things we do. Like I wrote a book because, um, first of all, I had to let go of if people would like it or how it would be received. I wrote the book because I wanted to become the person that could write the book, right? I'm stoked you wrote this book. I'm, I'm a little bit stoked about it too. And you know what? You know the old, you can't judge a book by its cover routine? <laughs> yeah. That is so fucking stupid. It is stupid because we all judge books by their cover. Yes. Literally and figuratively. Yes. And just the way your book, the cover looks, it screams, hey, pick me. This is a substantive piece of work here. This gal got busy on something. And you don't even have to know what the, first of all, the title. It takes courage to call your book The Whole Method. I don't even care what it's about. I don't even care if it's about like the whole method for, I don't know, hammering a nail. <laughs> you, you, you just said, hey, this is the whole thing right here. This, this is all there is to it right here. Bam. <laughs> well, and people were like, uh, Brandy Salazar, our friend, was like, that's a really big title you're writing into. And I was like, it is a big title I'm writing into, but like everyone's like, I can't read, can't wait to read what the method is. And I'm like, there is no method. It's about you discovering your own method. Right? Yeah. It's a trick you're playing on us, right? There is no method. Mm -mm. Yeah. But everyone's looking for a method and it's such a buzzword and such a keyword, but like it is, it's the method of wholeness. It's like, be who you are. I'm one seven step course away from becoming the person I want to be. Right. Right. You know, it's like, and, and look, I know people have been well-meaning, but in the fire through which we find ourselves now, particularly in the beginning, less so now, although it still happens, you know, there are these people that say, oh, well, you know, there's the 12 stages of grief and you're, you know, or, and, and, you know, they, they break it down to some pop psychology bullshit, right? And let me just say it this way. It's not helpful. It isn't helpful because it's like, you don't, it's not, and people are like, oh, I know how you feel. No, you don't have a clue how I feel. You don't understand one single bit of my experience. You can take two twins, put them in the same clothes, feed them the same food, give them the same experiences, and their lens will always be different. Always. So like, we don't have a clue. And that's the thing. Like, people don't want to listen. 
people, everyone's, everybody's a coach. Everybody has feedback. Everybody tells you what they want to do because nobody wants to listen. And it's like, we, it's uncomfortable for us to hear other people's plight. And it's like, no, you should just do this. And like, let's just fix it. So I don't have to deal with it. And it's like, no, hold some damn space. Like I always say this when people reach out to me and I'm like, do you need me to listen? Do you want me to be your friend? Or do you want me to help you create a shift? Because I don't know what the hell it is that you need. So if you want me to listen, I'll listen. And then when I'm done listening and then they have a little bit of quiet, then they say that must be so hard. And that's really what people are looking for. They want to be heard and seen for where they're at. They don't want it to be changed. They're not willing to do change. Great. I got five minutes for that. I'm not going to do it 10 times. One of the little exercises I love to do with this is, to your point, I think many of us go days and sometimes weeks without an experience of being listened to. And so one of my favorite things to do, particularly at this time of year, but in, you know, in general, you know, let's say you go to the grocery store and you pick up some shit or you're shopping or whatever it is, you're out in the world and you're, you interact with a, a, some kind of a service person, somebody who makes you a coffee or, or checks you out at the grocery store, something along those lines. And you just look at them straight in the eye and you say, hi, how are you? And you just look at them like you actually give a shit. And their response is like, they're taken aback, their eyes get big and they're like, wow, thank you for asking me that. Yeah. And and I don't mean like in a weird creep way. I mean like with soft, friendly eyes, but actually ask the question like you want to hear the answer because you do Mm -hmm. see what happens. Not like, hey, how are you doing? But like, (laughs) right. Yeah. Or that, hi, how are you? And like, you know, which is fine. You know, if you see somebody on the street and you say, if that's just a friendly, I get it. I'm not stupid. But in no circumstance when you're just saying, hey, hi, how are you? Do you expect the person to say, hey, well, you know what? My mom just died, right? You're like, you're not, that's not what you're expecting. No, but, but everybody wants that. It's just like with texting. Like I, I'm a Nazi about this, but I have a lot of people reaching out to me. I probably get 50, 60 texts a day. And when someone doesn't say hello or good morning, they either don't get a response or I'll, they'll get a good morning and then there's no response. But like, I'm not here to be on demand for your lack of taking the moment to say, what's up, Rhonda? How are you today? To like, I'm just too busy. Yeah. Well, then you're too busy to message me. Yeah. You're not a slot machine of spiritual awesome. No. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. But then you got to have really good boundaries, right? Like that's the piece in all of this is like understanding because everybody's now in this point where they, everybody wants to share their truth and everybody wants to open up. And, you know, then we get to walk around. I always say like, don't hit me in the face with your dick, but like, you know, like (laughs) just right. Like, I mean, I get you have a lot going on, but ask me if I've got some room for you. Like (laughs) ask ask me for that. Like, I can't hear anything (laughs) you're saying right now. (laughs) Sorry. I didn't even ask what the protocol was, but there's no protocol. Okay. I didn't think so. Yeah. Yeah. What what was your point? (laughs) Well, it's like, it's like whack here. I've got, I need to dump all this stuff on you right now. And it's like, I'm just, you're going to, you're going to listen. Like, and it's like, I don't, you didn't ask me if I have space to listen. You didn't, you don't know what's going on in my life. Like maybe I don't want to hear you right now. So it's also honoring that piece. And it's like, it's just communication. We're all learning how to, to care like hey i have a lot going on right now you know i've reached out to you several times like with things for business and stuff and it's like hey do you, have, do you have a minute to be able to like listen to some stuff for me and if you don't if you don't great if you do awesome yeah and there's some times when we don't and that's okay yeah i had a gal come up to me at uh, best year ever 
Kyle Elrod's best year ever. And as, as I think, you know, I didn't, I did not go to one life, um, a one life event this year. And I felt terrible about it. And I tried every way from Sunday to figure out how I could put Humpty Dumpty together to go do it. But the thought of getting on that plane was pure misery. And so I, I just said, sorry, I can't come. Anyway, this gal came up to me at best year ever, which of course was more than a month later. And she had been at the One Life event and she said, the greatest gift you could ever give us was not coming. Because what you, what, what you said to us by not coming was you have to take time for you right now. And of course, selfishly, I did it for myself. I, I just was, I just could not imagine getting on that plane. Um, and I didn't but, think about the impact on others. I know, but it wasn't like the impact on others was that you showed us that, you know, self-love and like, to be honest with you, if you had come, I, I would have questioned where you were at in your own self-care and in your own process and like what you had gone through in grief. Like there's a point when, you know, I would have been like, you know, what is he doing? And there was actually somebody else there who had experienced a, a death recently. And I was just really surprised at like how, I don't want to, to make any judgments of it, but like they were there, they were, they were talking and it was just, it felt very detached, which is fine. We all get to grieve and be in the way we are. But yeah, no, the, the, it was, all, I mean, you spoke volumes by doing what you did. Yeah. And of course I didn't even consider that, but I'm, I'm, I'm stoked at least some people took it that way. And look, there are times in our lives where we must say, um, I can't help you. I'm in no position to help you. I'm, I'm, you know, pieces on the floor that aren't even in a bag yet. And I got to go to work and deal with something for me. Cause you know, it's like, look, first responders, right? I have some dear friends who are, um, firefighters, fire chiefs in the military, in the police, you know, et cetera, as you do. And uh, what's one of the first things they tell first responders? Job one is don't make yourself a victim. Right? You can't necessarily always just go running and you have to make sure, right? If you're not in a position to help, then you're not going to be able to help anybody and you may endanger yourself, right? So we've got to take care of our own well-being, even if we have a deep commitment to service. Mm-hmm. You know, when I wrote this book, um, I, I am an entrepreneur that does have depression and the depression hasn't been so bad, but I have brutal anxiety and I'd work with a lot of different herbs and a lot of different things to help myself. But with this book birthing in August, there was a, a point when I hit a wall and like, I called my team and I was like, I have to go to bed. <laughs> and I was literally in bed for two weeks and I had to let myself grow into the person, first of all, that could let this book come out because it was vulnerable for me and there was a lot of process. And I grow into my higher self through depression as I become more and am available for more and capable of more. I typically have to go through like a spurt of depression. So, you know, it was hard, but also amazing to be able to have a team of people. And when we started our company, we try and, you know, frame ourselves as a conscious company, but we sat down and I said, I want to know who you are on your worst day. I want to understand before we take this partnership, like who, what's, what's really happening here so that we can understand how to prepare. And if, you know, we're available for this kind of relationship because, you know, we cross coach, we're friends, we work together, we have to make big decisions together. There's like this, it's like this 
incredible relationship that's very challenging between all of us. And that's how we decided to design a company. Yeah. 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 Because you started with who you want to be as a person and that then that gets converted to the company. Yes. Yep. Yes. And like getting to the point where I decided to write the book, which was, you know, I had done all the personal development. I had gone to everything on the planet. I had done all the plant medicine. I'd done everything. I was miserable. Nothing was working. I was dying inside. And I'm like, holy shit, this is not the path. So I got really angry for like an entire summer. And I was just probably more than most people could handle to be around. I eliminated some really pivotal coaches and relationships um, because people weren't seeing me. People weren't hearing me. And like, I guess at that point I needed it. And then I decided to write this book. And um, anger is such a beautiful emotion. It drives us to see where we're not aligned, where things are not working. It's, it's so powerful and beautiful. I'm obviously when it's, you know, hurtful or destructive, it's not helpful, but really riding those waves of anger and just understanding the potential, like being in the moment of who we are. But yeah, that's, that's the key is like, I'm, I'm super cunty some days. I'm super, I am. And we'll say that to each other and like, it's okay. And I'm bossy and I'm moody and I'm all of these things. I'm like, but I do my best to, you know, be fairly even kill. I'm also super giving and loving and kind and hold a lot of space. But like, I am who I am. There's like total radical acceptance over here. And if you don't like it, or that doesn't work for you in a relationship, I get it. But you know, I have to be me just like you have to be you. And I think I learned a lot of that from watching you be you well because you're extra like i'm extra we are not little people like we don't have little opinions if you walk into a room you know you're there in a really big way i certainly have a profound experience of you walking in a room and knowing you're there even the the meek Rhonda that or like yeah i was gonna say meeker but yeah you, there's nothing meek about you today the meek Rhonda that i met however many years ago how long ago would that be six years no. Six and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. Six years. It's not longer than that. No, isn't that crazy? It feels like we've been connected a lot longer, at least double well, that. Yeah. Right. No, right. it's only been six years. Wow. You've covered a lot of ground and carried a lot of water in six years. A lot, but I have an incredible drive. Like I can't help myself. But the problem with that is that I wear myself out and I burn out. Yeah which is also beautiful. Yeah. I think that if I didn't have that little wave of depression in me or that little streak of burning out that I would have burned it all down by now. The thing I wanted to circle back to, you mentioned anxiety and uh, my experience of you now can't fathom the person that you are now as being a person that experiences anxiety because you convey uh, groundedness, centeredness, purpose, you know who you are, you know what you're doing, you're not afraid, you speak your mind. You know, so you're sort of like what I experience is the opposite of somebody with that. So they say that women, and I, I don't know if this is true to be men because I'm not a man this lifetime, but like women that have brutal anxiety, it's amazing how we cover it up and can do things. And I think it gives me more capacity to handle things that are heavier than most people. Because I, I literally wake up at 4am every morning with some level of anxiety. And I've worked with like a legendary herbalist who's helped so much, but un understanding first why I have anxiety, like learning that piece. So I have uh, my limbic system, which is our nervous system, doesn't function properly. From the moment I was born, I was born into the world with like level 10 anxiety, which made for a really awful childhood because there's no words for it. 
So understanding I have a lazy parasympathetic nervous system and it doesn't create the correct um, amount of hormone for me in the morning. So my normally we have this slow uh, arc of cortisol that helps us wake up in the morning and it starts about four. Mine spikes. So I wake up wide awake in anxiety and it's typically brutal. Most days, Rhonda. A lot of days. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's when, especially like right now we have a lot of high stress and a lot of stuff that we're putting out, but yeah, most days. And so getting the parasympathetic nervous system to start doing its job a little bit more and to not go into fight or flight every morning. So yeah, I mean, when I was doing my podcast several years ago, I was using nerve tonic, which is um, five different herbs that really help calm the system. But yeah, there's a lot of work, a lot of work that I have to do to be so high functioning with the level of anxiety that I have. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. But I think it's important to talk about because a lot of people have it. Some of the most successful people you and I know have it. And it's like learning how to tune it um, with, you know, lots of different plant medicines to be able to help ourselves deal and manage. I mean, I have a lot of potential in me, but my anxiety has definitely kept me small in my life. So the other thing I think to get and I say this like an idea, is I always think it's powerful if we can understand other people's experience of us. Because of course, we, have, we really have no experience of what it's like to be with our own self, right? And so my experience of you today is, I think many people would look at you and go, wow, here's this spiritual guru, successful entrepreneur, speaker out in the world, now author, stunningly beautiful, incredibly powerful woman. That's how you come across. And so it's a shocking thing to hear anxiety, point A and point B, maybe. Uh, and I, I don't think I'm just speaking for myself when I say that. I think that's how most people would interpret you, plus or minus. So it's always interesting to me when our self uh, relationship is meaningfully different than the world's to give strong consideration to the world's. Well, I always say, I don't know what it feels like when you have to poop, right? Like I don't, I don't know what it feels like when you're hungry. I don't know what it feels like when you're scared. Only you know that. So it's like us learning how to be on that level with ourselves and like listening, you know, like if I know those pieces, right? Like I just, I don't know Did that you just piece. Tell so me you don't know should. what it's like for me to need <laughs> to poop. Is that what you just said? Yes. <laughs> but if you think about the feeling when you have that urgent need to have to poop, like you're, we're in the car, we're driving somewhere and you're like, look, I got to go. I don't really understand the potency of how that feels. So it's no different than my brutal anxiety. I can tell people all day long, like I have a really, really bad anxiety right now. And they're like, oh, you're just worrying about the past or you're thinking about the future, which is all new age bullshit. Um, no, something else is happening in my body and it's really severe. And they're like, oh no, just, just change your mind. Just be mindful, which is all just crap. And there are points about that work, but like- Or just hold it in. Yeah, <laughs> Right. Don't poop. You don't really you don't really have to poop. It's just you just think you have to poop. Yeah, well, sometimes you think you have to poop, but sometimes you know you have to poop right away. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and that's what we always say in ceremony is don't trust a fart. Never trust a fart, right? Yeah, what movie? Well, there's a movie where the a bunch of old folks are talking about that. I can't remember which movie that is, but yeah. I had no idea this would be the way the conversation went on. I, I should have known it would be something crazy with you. It, but. Could, it could be a niblet. <laughs> it could be. Or shart, right? 
Those are things that happen. Oh God, a shark. (laughs) Worst, worst thing ever. Ever. But it's, (laughs) it's, you know, I, I do talk about it online. I talk about what it's like to be an entrepreneur that has depression. I've talked about what it's like to have suicidal tendencies, which I've had since I was a kid. I, I talk about these things a lot because I want people to know that just because you have these things doesn't mean you can't do things. But like, you know, I, I always joke, I have terrible grammar. Like when I write a Facebook post, you can guarantee that something's not going to be right. And I also have an amazing team of people that edit all my stuff. So when I wrote a book and I handed it off to two different editors, um, I have no idea what they actually thought, but like, it's never going to be my strong suit. I can talk all day long, but I love to write. I'm just, you know, some pieces of it aren't good, but I have people to help me do it. Like that's, that's the key is like, I'm okay with that. I have radical acceptance with that part of myself, just like I do with my anxiety. Yes. That, that radical, and there's such freedom with it, right? It's like, once I didn't give a shit about my dyslexia, it's like, Hey, math was over for me in grade three. Like, I just, I don't care. I don't care. You know, it's like that. And that causes me no concern today. Like it, it just doesn't matter. Mm -mm. And it's really letting our Winnie the Pooh bellies out, right? It's like, quit sucking your gut in and just let us see who you are. And like, I'm way more curious about who you are when you're naked. I don't think you have a Winnie the Pooh belly, Ross. Everybody has some version of a Winnie the Pooh belly. <laughs> I get your point. But it's fine. It's like, whew, just let it out. Just let it out. Like, let me see who you are. Let's, who are you when you're dancing in the kitchen naked at midnight eating peanut butter out of a jar? Like, that's who I want to know. I don't want to know all these. I need to come over to your house. I think. <laughs> right? It's so much more fun. So much more fun. <laughs> and what are the big things you hope people get from the whole method? Hmm. First of all, that there is no there and every single step is, is it. And, um, the quest, this hamster wheel, we've been taught that we need to be more, have more, do more, whatever, like it's just this endless trap and everything we're looking for is already inside. And it really comes from that place of incredible self-love. I, I think their journey is really about choosing yourself no matter what over what you need, over what you want. And when we can do that for ourselves, like no matter what, even it's like, but this is crushing my soul because it's not what I like. Awesome. And then you have radical acceptance. Like the day that I, you know, fell to my knees on the street I grew up on and I had to like make peace with the fact that I had been who I'd been in my life and all the things I had done, that it was never going to go away, but that it also wasn't who I needed to live and be. Right. So, and like, I can talk about all those things and people are like, you're so open. Well, you know, that for me, that's how I have to live because when you can live in your truth and you're not ashamed, nothing owns you. You're free. That's freedom. And that's what I hope people get from this book is understanding that what we're looking for is just that radical wholeness of of who we actually are and to have people see us and love us and accept us or not accept us and love us for who we are. A big part of my journey was understanding that not everyone was going to like me and that's okay. You know, and like learning how to sit with those feelings. I'm extra, you know, that's been intimidating for men. That was really hard for dating for me for a really long time because I'm a big person. I show up with a lot of energy. (laughs) That's putting it mildly. (laughs) Yeah, just a little bit. (laughs) So, you know, so that piece has been really hard and it's like, you know, I can, I can tame it back and bring it down, but then I don't get to live in my full expression. One of the things you and I connect on is, and I don't put words in your mouth, you'll tell me, but I think both of us are too much for a bunch of people, right? Yeah. 
But would you have it any other way? I mean, there are times when, you know, I don't know, I'll go to a dinner and an event or just be in the world with people. And after the thing is over, I'll get in the car and go, oh, fuck, Lockhead. What did, did you really say that in front of that many people? Or like, you know, whatever, whatever it is, right? There's some thing, there's some judgment uh, uh, that I say, did I really have to go that far on that thing? Whatever the thing is, right? But isn't it all about experience? Like, dipping our toe way out there and being like, you yeah, know, maybe, maybe that wasn't like, quite comfortable for me. Maybe I don't have to be that much with it, but like, or maybe I do. And maybe it was the impact somebody needed. I remember one time I was starting to work with a new company and it was sort of, we did sort of a pre kickoff. We we're going to have a kickoff thing in person. We did that. We sort of did a meet and greet on zoom for an hour and get to know some people and all that. And as you know, I love, I love our hands and uh, Beatrice, who I'm her human, you know, support animal or whatever. <laughs> and so she was particularly needy that afternoon. And so I just grabbed Beatrice and there she is sitting in my hand and in my arm. And we're doing this video Zoom with the 15 people of the senior executive team of a very important ding dong technology company. And I'm holding this chicken. <laughs> you can take this story up. You can't make this up, right? And then and then I get off the call and I walk out of the studio holding Beatrice and I went, hey, um, that was the first time you met most of those people and you were holding Beatrice. Like, you couldn't have just waded into the water called crazy. You just had to cannonball off the high dive. I know, but you know what? I don't have time for this whole like slowly like unraveling stuff. Like, just let me see who you are. And you are a man who would lead a meeting with a chicken. Yeah, wearing a remote t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> People don't work with me or they're not in my life because I'm a beat around the bush kind of gal. Like if you, if you're, I'm direct. I don't have time for all the bullshit. I don't have time for that. You don't have time for that. Yeah. And somebody said this to me and I think they, I don't, actually, I'm not sure if they meant it in a nice way or not a nice way, but I've chosen to take it in a nice way, you know, and I think you're probably the same, right? A little bit of LaRonda goes a long way. Right? <laughs> a long way. I know, but I always look forward to when you're going to be there because it's going to be interesting, right? Like it's going to yeah. be fun and energetic and exciting. And, and, you know, I don't like to be around people all the time. So you're just going to get a little bit of me. Well, and the other thing too, the per you can't give yourself permission to be yourself unless you give yourself permission to be not liked and or piss people off, right? or create work or you know like our dharma i talk a lot about in the book about dharma everyone thinks we're here for purpose but like purpose is why we think we're here dharma is why we're actually here which is why you're here like what is meant to come through you and i felt like this book for me because it kind of questions a lot of you know tony robbins and all the stuff that's out there in the new age world and personal development because it's like quit damn buying into all this crap and like sit with yourself feel your stuff and um you know, to the point where it was paralyzing, I couldn't write the book. And my brother finally said, he's like, stop caring what people are going to think about this book. Like prepare yourself for everyone to hate it. And if you can't be prepared for that, then you're not ready to write the book. And it was such yes. important information. Oh my gosh. Cause it let me let go. And I was like, okay, so my Dharma is to write these words. I'm going to let it come through me. And it's not about the end result. It's about the process. And, you know, in every wave of pain or discomfort or growth is information. If we just let it come through us and drop it off and have us learn and move on, then we're moving. But when we get, we all get stuck in front of the door about what's going to feel like, 
how people are, what are people going to think? Nothing really legendary happens without a healthy dose of don't give a fuckitude. Right. Right. Like, I mean, when we were launching the marketing podcast, I was borderline panicky. So much so that I re-recorded, we had, I think, six episodes or something in the can. I re-recorded two of them because I thought, this is not going to work, right? Like, and, I, and even after that, I said to Jamie, our producer, I said, Jamie, I, I, I don't know. I, I, think, I think I might make a complete asshole out of myself with this thing. Congratulations, it just ha- by the way. It's just part of the human condition, right? It is. But like, aren't you number one right now? Well, not to be immodest, but yeah, yeah. number one in business in marketing. I mean, I mean, we're not at this moment, but one, when yeah. we first, yeah, I mean, it went mental. Yeah, you were above Oprah and Deepak and all the other things for like, it was insanity. Who, who are they? Yeah, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I know that like, that's it the thing. for a fleeting moment, but it was, a, it was our fleeting moment. But we don't listen to your stuff because it's going to be muted or normal or filtered. Like the very reason that I always like seek the things you do is because it's this whole different level of like, of living. It's this like, I, I really observed that from you because you were like the first person that really ever inspired me to change my life. Like that piece on you on stage that day was like, I was like, Oh, I can be legendary. I didn't even, I didn't even know that. Right. So to watch you do this, like you've really like blazed a trail for us and, how weird we can be. How yeah. Thank you. Look, a lot of us grew up on the island of Misfit, Misfit Toys and still live there. <laughs> I made a company out of Misfit Toys. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, Rhonda, I couldn't be happier for um, your happiness and your success. And I'm stoked you wrote this book. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and um, for, you know, all the, the words of wisdom along the way and, I'm really proud of myself. I'm proud of what I've overcome and we get, we all have that ability. And you know, it's not like it's this plight of like, Oh, I had to overcome all this stuff. I I was given exactly what I needed for my soul to evolve. That's, that's it. Like when it's hard, it's hard. And like, it's obviously what we need. So it's like my, my true measure of success is how we talk to ourselves and others. We're in times of pain, discomfort, strife or growth like who you are then that that shows me how successful you are yeah i mean look the reality is there are times in our life when we can design our life and we can choose how it's going to be and whether we like it or not there are going to be times in life where life is going to choose something for us that we would never have chosen and there's no changing it so we have to decide who we're going to be are we going to stand up in those moments yep and, and, or lay down and say, I need to be held or like whatever, but like you don't have to be, and it takes time. It's awkward before it's elegant. Ain't that the true sister? Ain't, oh, and like getting comfort with being awkward. Like, okay, but I tried. Okay. But you know, I failed, I failed, I failed. Yes. Let's try it again. Yeah. Everybody sucks in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we don't just show up this way. I know, but that's what people don't, that's the disconnect. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, yes. And, and I'm biased because of my own experience, but I have experienced over the last three years or so that there's a large number of people who are interested in a lot more than six minute abs. (laughs) What about seven minute abs? Yeah. Yeah. Or four minute abs (laughs) or whatever. Right. 
the six steps to happiness or the, you know, come on. Well, I mean, for me to be a woman and like to finally make peace with my body, to finally not have to be on this task, I have to weigh this weight. My boobs have to look this way and all of these things like to finally be like, oh, okay. So like, I can love you belly. I can love you. Like that's radical acceptance. Like loving those tender parts of ourselves that we've spent our life hiding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not that big of a deal. And, and, and actually one of the benefits of walking through, um, what feels like insurmountable fire is when you do that, you're like, so I have an opinion that I'm five pounds overweight. Your belt's a little tight. Who gives a shit? Maybe you needed a new belt. (laughs) Right? Like right now I found out recently I need meniscus surgery or whatever it's called, right? The procedure. Well, normally that, that would really piss me off it's you know six weeks of recovery with probably another six weeks after that and da 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 right in the context of everything else that's been going on in my life so what doesn't even bug me it's, it's a minor annoyance at best well and and whatever is in that experience of fe- having to lay down and not surf or do all the things that you do and not feel like you'll get something from it it's just we have this expectation that be driving and going and everyone's like so pleasure-based. It's almost like we're like in this hedonistic society. It isn't all about pleasure, folks. It's all, I mean, we're humans. We're that, that's our company, the expanded human, but it's about feeling all the hues of the human, the dark ones, the light ones, the shitty ones, the erotic ones, all of them. We're not here to be like these robotic, spiritual, happy people. That's just not what it's about. It's funny that this theme keeps coming up in my life, but um, it's fascinating. We, you know, we just had uh, Akshay Nanavati on, and he's the Marine who, you know, uh, fought his way through PTSD and now is an, an extreme athlete and an extreme self-suffering subscriber. Interesting. <laughs> he does all this extreme athletic stuff that is purpose-built to mine his numb and make himself fight through fire by choice because to your point that's a big part of how he becomes who he wants to become it will be curious to see if one day he finds peace in that and then like it's just like myself like i have had such struggle for the last 16 years and then all the things i've had to do to to figure out my life and now i'm like in this space where things are really working and i have this opportunity to be happy and i don't know how to do that maybe to be continued maybe Maybe. All right. Is there anything else, Rhonda Smith? No, thank you for having me. And I just love you to death. And uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's create some more beautifulness together this next year and, you know, really sit in our shit and, and be all the humans that we can be. Thank you, Rhonda. I adore you. I adore you. Well, there she is, the magical Rhonda Smith. I sure hope you enjoyed that conversation. Don't forget to go to lockhead.com. Check out the show notes for more on Rhonda's book and subscribe to our newsletter. All right. We would like to thank the legendary, the magical, the fantastical Rhonda Smith. Her brand new book is called The Whole Method. Check it out wherever you get legendary books or go visit her on the internet at CosmicSmith.com. That's CosmicSmith.com. My good friends at OneLifeFullyLive.org. This is the nonprofit helping you dream, plan, and live your best life and Many of us need some help, particularly right now, figuring that shit out. So check out the number one, lifefullylive.org. If you're into podcasts and you're in marketing, 
Uh, why not uh, subscribe to my new marketing podcast, Lockhead on Marketing? My friends at Bottleneck Virtual Assistants want to help you scale you with the power of a virtual assistant. Check out bottleneck.com online. And if you're looking to find a a, a new way to crash into a new career at this time, then visit my friends at crash.co slash different and get a sneak peek of the hot handbook, Crash Your Career. That's crash.co slash different. And if you're a thought leader looking to get your leading thoughts on podcasts, my dear friends at interviewvalet.com can help you out. They're the leaders in podcast interview marketing, and they'll get you on top podcasts. Podcasts at interviewvalet.com. And my friends at Autranet have been building B2B websites in Silicon Valley for over 20 years. Check them out at atre.net. And of course, now, now's the time where our community and our planet needs a ton of help. So if you can make a difference to an NGO, some kind of a nonprofit, uh, a church or a faith-based organization in your community, uh, why not dig a little extra deeper and do that? All right. I need to remind you that today's information is provided to you solely for informational purposes. And this oddcast is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network. All rights do remain perturbed. Clearly, this uh, oddcast is not for wankers. We are produced by living legend Jason DeFilippo. Uh, edited, uh, edited, and he... <laughs> He does the producing and the editing. Sarah Knox and Jamie J for technical legendariness. Uh, our website and all that good shit. Show notes by Diane Gervasio. Remember to spread podcasts, not viruses. Keep your eyes on the road and your hands upon the wheel. Listen to Joan Jett. Remember, Adam West is the real Batman. Only by pasture-raised, free-range eggs. Thank you, Candy Dandy. I love you, Mom and Dad. And hey, Colin. This oddcast really ties the room together, doesn't it? Today, our deepest apologies go to Marcus Rust, CEO of Roseacre Farms. Sorry, Marky, we just ran out of time for you. That's it, my friends. Please uh, stay safe, be good to each other, stay legendary. I really do appreciate you investing part of your life with us. And until we're together again, of course, follow your different. <laughs>